Chapter seventy six of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lafonner. Chapter seventy six relating how the castle was taken and how mistress moggy took heart of grace that evening there came to the door of the mills a damsel with a wide basket on her arm the covering of which being removed a goodly show of laces caps fans washballs buckles and other attractions came out like a parterre of flowers with such a glow as dazzled the eyes of moggy at the study window would you please to want any milady inquired the peddler moggy thought they were perhaps a little bit too fine for her purse but she could not forbear longing and looking and asking the prices of this bit of finery and that at the window and she called betty and the two maids conned over the whole contents of the basket at last she made an offer for an irresistible stay-hook of pinchbeck set with half a dozen resplendent jewels of cut glass and after considerable chaffering and a keen encounter of their wits they came at last to terms and moggy ran out to the kitchen for her money which lay in a brass snuff-box in a pewter goblet on the dresser as she was counting her coin and putting back what she did not want the latch of the kitchen door was lifted from without and the door itself pushed and shaken though the last red gleam of a stormy sunset was glittering among the ivy leaves round the kitchen window the terrors of last night's apparition were revived in a moment and with a blanched face she gazed on the door expecting breathlessly what would come the door was bolted and locked on the inside in accordance with dr toole's solemn injunction and there was no attempt to use violence but a brisk knocking began thereat and moggy encouraged by hearing the voices of betty and the vendor of splendors at the little parlour window and also by the amber sunlight on the rustling ivy leaves and the loud evening gossip of the sparrows took heart of grace and demanded shrilly who's there a whining beggar's voice asked admission but you can't come in for the house is shut up for the night replied the cook tis a queer hour you lock your doors at said the besieger mighty queer but so it is she answered but tis a message for the mistress i have answered the applicant who from demanded the porteress tis a present of some wine akushla who from repeated she growing more uneasy ach woman are you going to take it in or no come in the morning my good man said she for sorrow afoot you'll put inside the house to-night and that's what i'm to tell them that sent me neither more nor less replied she and so she heard a heavy foot clank along the pavement and she tried to catch a glimpse of the returning figure but she could not though she laid her cheek against the window-pane however she heard him whistling as he went which gave her a better opinion of him and she thought she heard the road-gate shut after him 
so feeling relieved and with a great sigh she counted her money over and answering betty's shrill summons to the study as the woman was in haste with a coming coming this minute she replaced her treasure and got swiftly into poor charles nutter's little chamber there was his pipe over the chimney and his green and gold-laced sunday waistcoat folded on the little walnut table by the fire and his small folio maison rustique the country farm with his old green worsted purse set for a marker in it where he had left off reading the night before all their troubles began and his silk dressing-gown was hanging by the window-frame and his velvet morning cap on the same peg the dust had settled on them now and after her fright in the kitchen all those mementos smote her with a grim sort of reproach and menace and she wished the window barred and the door of the ominous little chamber locked for the night tis growing late said the dealer from without and i daren't be on the road after dark give me my money good girl and here take your stay-hook and so saying she looked a little puzzled up and down as not well knowing how they were to make their exchange here says moggy give it in here and removing the fastening she shoved the window up a little bit howled it betty howled it up said she and in came the woman's hard brown hand palm open for her money and the other containing the jewel after which the vain soul of moggy lusted that'll do said she and crying shrilly give us a lift sweetheart in a twinkling she shoved the window up at the same time kneeling with a spring upon the sill and getting her long leg into the room with her shoulder under the window sash her foot firmly planted on the floor and her face and head in the apartment almost at the same instant she was followed by an ill-looking fellow buttoned up in a surtout whose stature seemed enormous and at sight of whom the two women shrieked as if soul and body were parting the lady was now quite in the room and standing upright showed the tall shape and stern lineaments of mary matchwell and as she stood she laughed a sort of shuddering laugh like a person who had just had a plunge in cold water stop that noise said she recognizing betty who saw her with unspeakable terror i'm the lady that came here you know some months ago with mrs mcnamara and i'm mrs nutter which the woman upstairs is not i'm mrs nutter and you're my servants you mind and i'll act a fair mistress by you if you do me honest service open the hall door she said to the man who was by this time also in the room and forth he went to do her bidding and a gentleman who turned out to be that respectable pillar of the law whom mr gamble in the morning had referred to as dirty davy entered he was followed by mrs mary matchwell's maid a giggling cat-like gypsy with a lot of gaudy finery about her and a withered devilment leering in her face and a hackney coach drove up to the door which had conveyed the party from town and the driver railing in loud tones after the manner of his kind in old times 
at all things reeking of whiskey and stale tobacco and cursing freely pitched in several trunks one after the other and in fact it became perfectly clear that m m was taking possession and betty and moggy at their wits end between terror and bewilderment were altogether powerless to resist and could only whimper a protest against the monstrous invasion while poor little sally nutter upstairs roused by the wild chorus of strange voices from the lethargy of her grief and even spurred into active alarm locked her door and then hammered with a chair upon the floor under a maniacal hallucination that she was calling i know not what or whom to the rescue then dirty davy read aloud with due emphasis to the maids copies as he stated of the affidavits sworn to that day by mistress mary matchwell or as he called her mrs nutter relic of the late charles nutter gentleman of the mills in the parish of chapel is it barony of castle knock and county of dublin deposing to her marriage with the said charles nutter having been celebrated in the church of st clement danes in london on the seventh of april seventeen fifty and then came a copy of the marriage certificate and then a statement how believing that deceased had left no will making any disposition of his property or naming an executor she applied to the court of prerogative for letters of administration to the deceased which letters would be granted in a few days and in the meantime the bereaved lady would remain in possession of the house and chattels of her late husband all this of course was so much hebrew greek as honest father roach was wont to phrase it to the scared women but m m fixing them both with her cold and terrible gaze said quite intelligibly what's your name moggy sullivan if you please mum and what's yours lizabeth betty they call me madam lizabeth burke if you please madam well then moggy sullivan and elizabeth burke hark ye both while i tell you a thing i'm mistress here by law as you've just heard and you're my servants and if you so much as wind the jack or move a teacup except as i tell you i'll find a way to punish you and if i miss to the value of a pin's head i'll indict you for a felony and have you whipped and burnt in the hand you know what that means and now where's mistress sarah hearty for she must pack and away oh mom jewel the poor mistress i'm the mistress slut mom dear she's very bad where is she in her room mom answered betty with blubbered cheeks where are you going minx cried m m with a terrible voice and look and striding toward the door from which moggy was about to escape now moggy was a sort of heroine not in the vain matter of beauty for she had high cheekbones a snub nose and her figure had no more waist or other feminine undulations than the clock in the hall but like that useful piece of furniture presented an oblong parallelogram unassisted by art for except on gala days 
these homely maidens never sported hoops but she was nevertheless a heroine of the amazonian species she tripped up pat morgan and laid that athlete suddenly on his back upon the grass plot before the hall door to his eternal disgrace when he offered to kiss her while the fiddler and tambourine man were playing she used to ring big boys by the ears over awe fishwives with her voluble invective put dangerous dogs to rout with sticks and stones and evince in all emergencies an adventurous spirit and an alacrity for battle for her indeed as for others the spell of m m s evil eye and witch-like presence was at first too much but moggy rallied and thus challenged she turned about at the door and stoutly confronted the intruder minx yourself you black baste i'm going just wherever it pleases me best and i'd like to know who'll stop me and first ma'am be your lave i'll tell the mistress to lock her door and keep you and your rake helly squad at the wrong side of it and then ma'am wherever the fancy takes me next and that's how it is and my service to your ladyship off went moggy with a leer of defiance and a snap of her fingers cutting a clumsy caper and rushed like a mad cow up the stairs shouting all the way lock your door mom lock your door growing two or three degrees whiter m m so soon as she recovered herself glided in pursuit like the embodiment of an evil spirit as perhaps she was and with a gleam of insanity or murder in her eye which always supervened when her wrath was moved the sullen face of the bailiff half lighted up with a cynical grin of expectation for he saw that both ladies were game and looked for a spirited encounter but dirty davy spoiled all by interposing his person and arresting the pursuit of his client and delivering a wheezy expostulation close in her ear tis a strange thing if i can't do what i will with my own fine laws i'faith i only tell you madam and if you do it may embarrass us mightily by and by i'd wring her neck across the banister murmured m m and now please your ladyship will i bring your sarvice to the ladies and gentlemen down in the town for tis there i'm going next said moggy popping in at the door with a mock curtsey and a pugnacious cock in her eye and a look altogether so provoking and warlike as almost tempted the bailiff at the door to clap her on the back and cry had he spoken latin mocte virtute puer catch the slut you shan't budge not a foot hold her cried m m to the bailiff bah was his answer see now said davy madam nutter's not serious you're not mum we don't detain you mind the door's open there's no false imprisonment or duress mind you thanking you all the same miss for your offer we won't detain you ah uh ah -uh. no i thank you chalk the road for the young lady mr redmond 
and davy fell to whisper energetically again in m m s ear and moggy disappeared straight down to the town she went and to the friendly dr toole's house but he was not expected home from dublin till morning then she had thoughts of going to the barrack and applying for a company of soldiers with a cannon if necessary to retake the mills then she bethought her oh good dr walsingham but he was too simple to cope with such seasoned rogues general chatsworth was too far away and not quite the man either no more than colonel stafford and the young beau them captains and the like it only be fun in me and knows nothing o law business so she pitched upon father roach End of chapter 76 Recording by John Brandon